listening to the Heavy Checklist Podcast. All right, guys, welcome back to the Heavy Checklist Podcast. Uh, this episode is a good one, and it's so good that I'm not even going to go through the introductions because you already know who's here. You got, uh, I guess I'm going to do the introductions. It's me, Big Marcus Wing. We've got Hans Peterson, who happens to be my assistant. Um, we've got uh, Kenny Thompson, who does not have a microphone because Hans stole his microphone. And we'll, then we have our favorite, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Mike Simpson, who is a neuro-linguistic practitioner. He's a heart math uh, practitioner. He is a master um, and health practitioner. He's board-certified hypnotherapist. I mean, this guy is, I could go down the list of things all day long that you're really good at, Mike, but tonight we're going to dig into, um, you know, the title of this podcast says it all. And uh, it's, if you knew me, you wouldn't love me. How many people listening right now feel that on like a, like a, like a cellular level? Cause I know the first time I ever heard, if you knew me, you wouldn't love me. I thought, yeah, right. Everybody loves me. And then I gave it a little bit more serious thought and I was like, wait a minute, there's something here. And so we're going to dig into that tonight and explain to you guys just how powerful that really is. I'm going to see if Kenny, would you mind trading places with hands real quick? Sure. We're going to get hands on the microphone over here. Cause uh, there's, I want to ask some questions. Big dog. The hot seat. The hot seat. This is. Uh, Do you want me to swear him in first? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Put your hand on the Bible, Hans. Bro, are you ready for this? Stretch yeah, out. just sit down. Um, okay. So the reason why I'm doing this is um, Kenny and I have had experiences with you, which is why I, I've, I've had Kenny step out because he's like, he's had the most experience. So he's been the most spoiled with your time. Um, guys like, uh, you know, Hans and Marcus, this is a whole new world to them. Hans. I'm just going to go ahead and share some personal information. Yeah, that's that's a great <laughs> intro to the podcast. Wide open. Yeah. Hans, uh, Hans experiences anxiety in the weirdest way. Not the weirdest way. That's yeah. me no, that's, generalizing that's, it, but it, it's it's unique. Uh, Hans gets huge anxiety before anything. Every day before high school, got anxiety. Church, anxiety. We have a trip coming up. If he knows he's got a big day at work tomorrow, stomach. massive anxiety. So it's like this, it's this crazy like pit in his stomach. And so I want to see if, and there's also this other thing that Hans experiences, which are heart murmurs. Hans experiences like, you know, your heart feels like it skips a beat, right? Yeah. I want to see if you can just, I'm not going to interrupt you once you get going. I'm going to let you just dig into Hans and ask him some questions. And the listeners, you, you know, you're still here. This is going to get really interesting because you're going to be able to watch Mike do his work. And so Hans and Mike, you guys just act as if we're not here and just Mike start asking him some questions and do your thing. Before we start, I wanted to acknowledge something with Marcus. I, I wasn't aware if you were here late today. Uh, did you show up late? Uh, well, yeah, I, I got I actually got here early. I said I'd be here at seven and set up by seven thirty, but I got here at what? What time? Six. You got here like six thirty. Then we set up. Okay. So I was here early. Yeah. But then I got setting up and realized that I didn't have my mic stands, and that kind of frustrated me. So I okay. had. So I was essentially late but not really because we were supposed to start at 7 30 but i felt like i was super late so i just wanted to offer you some feedback um the first thing i noticed about you is that you're genuine like when you talk like like you are really personally interacting there's there's not an act going on here right and that's that's what radiated out from you you know and so it's just interesting because what i was perceiving of you was way different than what that internal that narrative was a little gangster <laughs> that's right yeah but it, it's just interesting because sometimes this perception that we carry around is different than how yeah how you hear what he's saying actually yeah you came it. in thinking that he was going to think that you were late and that you're the late guy 
But what he picked up on you coming in was you're a genuine, great guy, cool guy. He didn't even think about what the time was Not because at all. you radiated yeah. something totally different. And, and I'm, I'm reading your nonverbals and I'm, I'm like, this is, this is a guy that's genuine. So what he's trying to say is you spent a lot of time worrying about something that's not even real to anybody but yourself. Yeah. What matters to me is when you sat down, you helped me actually feel more at ease. And, and so I, I enjoyed having a conversation with you here. You know, well, thank so you, that's man. just, that's just a blind read. I don't really know you, but it's pretty accurate. I've been How much do I owe you on. after the show? <laughs> Literally spot on. I've been best friends with the guy for a long time and that's very accurate on, I mean, to a T. And so, I, that's why this stuff's so valuable. Obviously, yeah. You help me with my stress and anxiety running into strangers, and you can help him with some weird thing that he has about being late that he makes himself this huge yeah. demon when he's not. And, and you're now aware of it. So when you choose to pay attention to that, you're going to have so much more power over that that you get to create a response just automatically. Yeah. You see how cool this so, shit is? It is, now, yeah. This now, is cool, man. This so, is, and that's one example. So I guess I'd like to tell you that I just, I just gave you a waking hypnotic suggestion. So what I just said... <laughs> And, and it went straight in. <laughs> I have no idea what you said. <laughs> oh, so, I wish the guy who the camera picked up your face because that was priceless. Oh, it, did. it did. Did you hear that? No. Mike said, you know, that whole thing that he was just talking to Marcus about. And yeah. he said, also, I would like you to know that I just gave you a waking hypnotic suggestion. And Marcus' face did the, the emoji where it's like, <laughs> Explain, explain, Mike. Maybe these YouTube videos aren't a good idea. <laughs> Turn that camera a little bit. <laughs> so if you want me to explain, I have to talk a little bit about how the brain is organized. So I've talked to some of you about this, but basically when we turn about six or seven years old, there's a wall that it, it forms that separates the conscious from the subconscious mind. And that, the name of that wall is called a critical factor. And it really creates an interesting problem for us because it, it wants to protect us. And so the way it does that is it, it will hold negative thoughts out. Well, it will try, you know, so it will block thoughts coming in. So if you insulted me, I would hope that my wall would block that. So that's my critical thinking. So I would have the ability to, to block that out. Um, from the subconscious side, what the wall does is it tries to hide things that bother you to try to protect you. But where it gets confusing, though, is it can hide from you what's bothering you, but it can't hide how you feel about that thing that just got triggered. So if you think of the wall and think of a skunk that's on the other side of that wall, you can smell it and it bothers you, um, but you can't see it. Okay, so a lot of times we get affected emotionally by something that's actually being blocked from our perspective, from our conscious perspective. And so that, that element is, you know, it's important to acknowledge. So when we're talking about the wall then, I can actually feel anxiety. And I, I like, so, and by the way, I don't like the word I know. anxiety, okay? Because anxiety is really nothing more than an emotional reaction. I mean, just by me stating that, what, how does that shift for you? Like, I, I always say anxiety and excitement are the exact same emotion. Okay. It just depends on where you put where you're directing it. But what if you're, you're not, I, I don't, I'm not excited to go to school. I'm not saying when school and just so people are clear, but in high school, yeah, I was not excited to go to school, but every morning sick to my stomach. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, but, so, but cause be, <laughs> welcome to the podcast. Did you, just have a, did you just have a heart murmur? <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't. It's for the viewers, I, it hands just literally his hand extended and and exploded my water bottle all over me. I don't know what I was gonna say. No, oh, Sparks is the the one who told me like I think what you're you're experiencing is excitement, but you're taking it as anxiety. Yeah. Well, let's go a little deeper than that. Let's acknowledge something. So, uh, so I was explaining to you the wall that separates the conscious from the subconscious. Okay. So basically, if you start to feel an emotional reaction, or you, AKA anxiety, you could literally, from your conscious mind, you, you, all of a sudden you're uptight, you're, you're spiking with cortisol and adrenaline, you're, yeah. you've got a pit in your stomach, and you ask yourself, what's happening here? Why is this happening? And just imagine that wall coming back and saying, none of your business, I'm protecting you. So the wall is going to try that. It's going to try to hold that information. It's trying to hide that from you as, as a way to protect you. The wall is helping you is what you're saying. Yeah, it's going to try to help you. It thinks it's helping you. Yeah. So let, so let me talk a little bit more about the conscious and the subconscious mind so this really sets the table for us. The conscious mind is where your rational thought lives. Okay, so what does rational mean? Let's, let's define that before I move on. What, what does rational mean to you guys? Real. Yeah. I mean, it's actually... What you're actually going to do? It's present. It's in front of you. You're conscious. You're seeing it. You're touching it. You're feeling it. Okay. Yeah, so I, we use our rational mind all day long. Think of all of the decisions we make. What time do I need to leave to get there? It's something that I measure. It's a standard that I measure by. I do want to point something out to you, though. Your version of rational, every one of you, is different than mine. Okay, so that means my life experience is different than yours. And I guarantee I've seen things through the work that I do, through hypnosis. I've, I've seen countless miracles that people would categorize them as, as like unbelievable results. I see that happen over and over again. But from your perspective, you might say, well, I don't, I don't know if I believe that. That doesn't sound rational to me. So you would have a different standard to measure what I'm saying against. You know? So we all have a different version of rational. Just an interesting point. But the wall that separates the two halves of the mind, it guarantees, and this is important that you remember this part, that rational only lives on the conscious side of the mind. It's only a conscious mind thing. Okay, so in our conscious mind, that's where our, our logical thinking lives. That's where our rational mind lives. But when we go to the subconscious side, there is no such thing as rational. It doesn't exist over there. And so I can tell you some really amazing stories if you want to hear about how the subconscious mind came up with an irrational solution to a problem. And often anxiety becomes the solution to a problem. And I'll explain that in a minute, but let me give you a couple of examples. So if I, have, if I have this wall that hides things that bother me, and there's no such thing as rational thought over there, so I can't consciously connect to it, well, what am I supposed to do to solve the problem? How do you solve, how do you solve a puzzle if you don't have the pieces? You don't. So you can stand there all day long on the conscious side of your mind and you can theorize and you can talk about what it might be, but it would be no different than trying to guess what's wrong under the hood. If I don't open up the hood, right, it's just a theory. And even if I think I know what's going on there, if I don't get the hood open, I can't fix that problem with the engine, right? right. I've got to get my hands on that engine. Okay, so I'm basically going to show you what is hypnosis. Well, hypnosis is when you can actually go over the wall. You get into the subconscious mind, and you can go get the real information. 
And this is what gets really interesting is sometimes in hypnosis, we're able to find an irrational solution to a problem that you've never been able to solve. Do you want to hear a really extreme example? Yes. Okay, good. I'm glad you said that. <laughs> so so I, I just uh, studied a case recently where a man had witnessed a, a horrible car accident. And a few days later, he actually went blind. He goes to the eye doctor, and there's, they're like, hey, there's no problem here. The, the equipment is working correctly. And so what happened? Well, the subconscious mind turned the lights out. So it has an intention there. What's the intention? I don't want to see more carnage and chaos. Yeah. 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 So the subconscious mind creates an irrational conclusion or a solution that if I can take your eyesight from you, then you don't have to see something like that ever again. So there's a positive intention, but there's an outcome that you probably don't like from the conscious side of your mind. So how are you going to solve it? You really need to get over the wall. Yeah. Okay. So let me throw one more quick example. This is, this is a case that I actually interviewed someone on television where we had this case. And, you know, you'll find it interesting. And I talk about this in my book, too. So I worked with a man who had a life-threatening allergy to apples. And he had had it for many years. And so I put him into a state of hypnosis. And this one was kind of funny because I didn't know him. And he went into hypnosis so hard and fast that I thought he was messing with me. But he was just one of those people who goes in very quickly. So once I assessed that, okay, wow, he's really in hypnosis. So basically, we went over that wall. Once we get past the conscious mind and we get into the subconscious mind, I just asked his subconscious mind, take me to the reason for this allergy. And without hesitation, he starts chuckling. He's laughing. And I'm like, that's, that's, un- that, like, that's surprising to me. I didn't expect that. But I basically said, so what's going on here? So I, I want to point out here, he's reliving something. He's not remembering something. He is back in time. And in the subconscious mind, there's no such thing as time. Okay, so he's reliving an experience. So I, I basically asked him, what's going on here? And he said, well, I'm, I'm in the orchard with mom. I'm picking apples. And I'm really ticked off because my friends got to go fishing and mom made me go pick apples. So instead of picking apples, he's eating apples in defiance to mom. So he's like, you know, he's eating the apples and she's getting ticked off. And so at some point she said, if you keep eating these apples, you're going to get sick. And he says, no, I won't. So he keeps eating apples, but guess what happens? Gets sick. He gets sick. Now the next thing that happened is where the allergy was born. He, he started to throw up and he sucked it down his throat. So he's aspirating on apple. And in that instant, a life-threatening allergy to apples is born. The irrational side of it. Yeah. So the subconscious mind that has no rational filter says, whoa, apples kill you. So I'll tell you what I'm going to do. From here on out, I'm going to make sure that I warn, you know, I I treat apples like I would treat rattlesnake venom. That's basically, I'm going to shut your heart down to protect you from dying from an apple. And so from that point forward, for 40 years of his life, he carried around this life-threatening allergy to apples. And it would literally kill him and it would close, shut his heart down. And what was interesting is in that moment when we found that where the allergy was born, he started choking. So he grabs his throat and starts choking because he's reliving that experience. So there's trauma 
that's buried inside of a subconscious mind. And remember, the subconscious mind doesn't understand time. It doesn't matter if it was 40 years ago. If it was a poignant, traumatic experience, it doesn't matter if it was yesterday or 20 or 30 years ago. It can still be relevant, and it is still a live wire that can still shock you if you bump into it inadvertently. The electric fence, right? Have you ever done that? Have you ever bumped into an electric fence at night and you didn't realize that it was an electric fence? I felt it. Oh, yeah, and it throws you on your back, right? Well, that's basically what would happen to him with an apple. Anytime Apple, anything, would come into his system, his, his body would literally go into that shutdown mode to protect him from dying. So we were able to adjust that. A simple adjustment removed a lifelong, life-threatening allergy to apples. And we were able to do that by getting over the wall and basically re-encoding the trauma that was buried inside of a subconscious mind. What does that mean, re-encoding? It means your mind... Your subconscious mind not only records the events of your life, but it records the emotions that are connected to those events. So you just connected different emotions mm-hmm. to those events? Yeah. We could remove the irrational conclusion yeah. or the solution. So apples are okay. You know, so we don't need our body to shut down every time there's apple in there. It's not rattlesnake venom. So we can correct that false irrational perception. But we could also address the trauma that was connected to that memory, and, and we could address that. Okay, so that guy, he showed up, he, he came to our place for Thanksgiving after we did that session, and guess what he brought? Apple pie. Apple pie. <laughs> My man. And you know what? He ate Good the old whole apple thing. Pie. <laughs> he said it was a gift, but he ate the whole thing. So To prove a point. Yeah. So there are loved, real people that have real allergies in mm-hmm. real life, right? Yes. And then there are people. So, so... With my situation, like my mom has anxiety, my brother, my brother, we have a trip coming up. He won't book his flight right now because he's, if he knows he's stuck to that trip, yeah, he will be sick to his stomach every day. Yeah. He wants to fly alone, doesn't want anybody around him. So are you saying that most likely it stemmed from my parents and became a mental thing for the rest of the family at that point? Well, <clears throat> because we because that's all we know. Yeah. Let's just let's do a little example. I think okay. I did this with you. Do you want to do a little visualization with me? Love it. Okay. Um, so I, I want you to close your eyes for a minute. And I want you. you I want you to imagine a white canvas in front of you that represents your life. So just see the white canvas. And really use your imagination. I want you to now imagine that you have a little paintbrush and some black paint. And I'd like to invite you to allow your imagination to just do this without thinking about it. To paint a little black stain on that canvas for every time in your life that you felt afraid. And I wonder how many times that might have happened. Day in and day out, the fear around going to school, feeling upset, feeling scared to go to school, to leave the house. And for every time you experience that, allow that stain to be painted on the canvas. I wonder how many times that might have happened. 
So maybe I can just check in. How, how does that canvas look? Honestly, I, like I'm having a hard time even painting one time. Hmm. What does that mean? That there was never an instant? There was never an instant. Well, to me, that sounds like you were being a little bit left-brained or, or conscious about it, you know, so you were filtering through that without allowing that really to get into your imagination. Right. That's, that's my guess. Yeah. Um, but let's, let's just say this, that often um, what, we, what we experience at home in our, in our normal everyday life, like if we go back to your, your childhood, do you mind if we get into this yeah, a little yeah. bit? So, so let's go back to when you were, I don't know, five years old, for example. What would a normal day feel like for you as a five-year-old? What was normal in that life? There was definitely no stress. Okay. I mean, it was, it was just playing with my brothers, right? Yeah. I mean, just okay. at the house, riding bikes. Okay, so, so let's move forward then. Let's move to the point where stress started to happen in your life. So high school, probably. Huh. And so when you said high school, your mind went to a specific place. What, there was a specific reference point that you made that was poignant about high school. So maybe you can tell me a little bit about that. Uh, I think probably, I mean, the stress side of it was probably the fact that, like, I was in, like, resource. So I wasn't yeah. a very smart kid. Okay. So let me just interrupt you for a minute. Now, I just watched your whole body language change when you said that. So you, you went into this dejected yeah. mode yeah. and resource. Okay, so what does that mean about you if you were the one in resource? It just means you're not, you're not as smart as the rest of them. Yeah. How do you feel right now internally just at that acknowledgement? I mean, you, you think less of yourself. Yeah. So I'm in resource. I'm less than others. Yeah, and so how does it feel then when when I'm going to go to school and I'm one of those kids who's yeah. in resource? Right, you know, c can you see why that would affect me in wanting to go to school? Right. Okay. Yeah. So let's take it to the next step then. So the anxiety, as you call it, or the emotional reaction, puts a pit in your stomach. What's it trying to do for you? Uh. What's the pit in my stomach trying to do for me? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so it's, it's trying so, to make you not want to be there, right? Yeah. I mean, so it's, it's trying to make you yeah. feel less. It's trying to make you yeah. feel worse. It's becoming a deterrent. Right. Trying to discourage you from going to school. Right. And if it can keep you from going to school, then what's it trying to accomplish for you? Nothing. I mean. Not true, though. Because when we were talking about when you were five, Right. You could be home playing with the kids, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you could be safe, right? So now there's this concept that when I go to school and I'm one of those kids, you know, yeah. there's that stigma attached to I'm not as smart as the other kids. Right. makes me feel bad about myself, and that pit in my stomach is trying to d encourage me to stay away from school, Yeah, right, so that I can go back to where I'm safe. Yeah, okay? makes sense, yeah. Yeah. And so what, you know, when I watched your whole countenance change when you, you did that resource acknowledgement, then it, you were actually experiencing those feelings of dejection. And those feelings of dejection were tied to interacting with kids at school. Right. Okay, so it's social interaction now that just generally happens that any time there's going to be this social interaction, I get that same pit in my stomach. Yeah, it makes sense. 
So that pit in your stomach is trying to protect you from feeling bad about yourself. Yeah. Okay. So, so when I, when we start talking about resource, let's go back to my analogy. So I want you to close your eyes again and I want you to see the white canvas. And are you really willing to, to step into this metaphor? Yeah. Put yourself in it then. And make a commitment with me that your conscious mind stays out of it. So you don't need to analyze this. Just allow this to happen. Okay. So you're looking at the white canvas, and you've got the, the paintbrush, and you have black paint. Every time you thought about having to be in resource, I want you to go ahead and paint that on the canvas. Every time that dread of going to school and having to feel that judgment, let that be painted on the canvas. And I wonder how many times you felt that way. And maybe it wasn't even just when you were going to school, but what about when you were at school and you were worried about what they thought? What types of things were they saying? How were they treating you? And think about how it felt when you could leave and go back home. And then think about how you felt at home at the thought of having to go back to school. There was always another day that you would have to go back and do that and see what that did to your stomach. The thought of having to go back under that stigma. So let that be painted on the canvas. And now I want you to just think about people in general, the way they treated you, the way you felt when you were around them, and go ahead and paint that on the canvas. What's that general feeling towards people? Let it be painted on the canvas. Now, how does the canvas look? Black canvas now. <laughs> Solid black. Yeah. Well, that black canvas, that's anxiety. So there's so if we go back to the subconscious mind, the subconscious mind is trying to protect you from people. And remember, the subconscious mind, it doesn't have access to rational thought. So what are all people? I go to school and, you know, I'm not as smart as them or, or whatever that stigma is. And the way they view me, it makes me feel so bad I don't want to be around them. So the subconscious mind is learning a pattern to protect you from that, right? And so, so make a connection with me for a minute. How could you relate this, what we just did, to the example I gave you of the man who was allergic to apples? Can you find the, the, can you find the pattern in there? Yeah. What is it? I mean, I, I, I think to this day, like... For example, we have a trip coming up with a big group of people and I have this like this anxiety that I'm not going to be good enough yeah. around that group of people. Yeah. So remember anxiety is just a word, right? Right. But but it's this fear, it's it's this 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 feeling of inferiority yeah. that has happened over and over again that is it's it's like an alarm system going off reminding you if you stay away from that then you don't have to feel that way. Yeah. You know, people are bad. You know, and if you got too close to me, 
what would you think of me? I mean, what do I think of you? Well, I'm I'm just letting you try that thought on for a yeah, minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? If so, so in fact, I want you to do this. I want you to close your eyes for a minute. I want you to really step into this, and and just just see where you can flow. If you really knew me, then what? Uh, what what's the emotion there? Maybe maybe just give me an emotional state. What did that do to you to to explore that question? What's the fear? I mean, my honest fear is 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 like how how do you get past it? Yeah, we can get past it, right? And it's way easier than most people think, but you need to understand it first. Yeah. Okay, so the subconscious mind, you know, you know, it can create an allergy. It can take someone's vision from them to try right. to protect them. It can put a pit in someone's stomach as a deterrent to keep them away from people because you know how people are, don't you? Yeah, they're savages. Yeah. But, but you know, we laugh here, but that wasn't a joke, yeah. right? Yeah. People are savages. And so that unconscious perception that people are savages reinforces the pit in the stomach. Yeah. The pit in the stomach will keep me away from the savages and I can stay home where I'm safe. Yeah. And it's just so painful to have to think about interacting with anyone all of the time. But here's the problem. If you're perceiving all people as savages, well, I'm a person. Right. And you're not a savage. Yeah. How do you know that? Because the vibe I get from you, just like we talked about earlier. Okay. Just, yeah. So, so let's think about that automatic perception. It generalizes, it distorts, and it could inadvertently influence you to see someone as a savage when in fact maybe they're not. Yeah. So, so let, me just, let me reframe something for you for a minute. Let's just say, like, can you think of one time when you went to school, when you were in resource and something happened around that that was really painful? Can you find, it, find an example of that? Uh, I mean, the examples I have are just like, you know, the, the bell rings for everyone to go to school. And then there's the, you know, the 30 second bell right after that, you know, that means you have to be in class. Yeah. And I would literally be the last person in the hallway because I didn't want people to see me walking into resource. Right. Yeah. yeah. Dejected and yeah. just feeling lowly yeah. and, and just knowing that everyone else out there was going to right. view you that way. They were all headed to their normal classes and yeah. I was, yeah. And you weren't. But what if they weren't all thinking that? Oh, yeah. I, I, I guarantee 90% of them weren't. I just assumed. Yeah. But, but that internal emotional reaction, it would cause you to view everyone as a savage. Yeah. And yeah. It, so that savage perception is designed to isolate you away from people. And then anxiety becomes the alarm system that's designed to lock them out of your life. Right. And so as long as I'm away from people, then I can be safe. And so the pit in my stomach is there to protect me. Yeah. Okay, so it's important that you understand that. So, yeah. so here's a little analogy I want you to think about. If you can warm up from 33 degrees to 34 degrees, it has the power to turn solid ice into slush. 
just one degree. Right. Profound changes can happen simply, and simple changes can happen profoundly. So by you acknowledging here at this moment that not all people are savages, wouldn't that be nice if you learned how to perceive people through a different filter that allowed them to be seen as they really are instead of the way you thought they were when you were too busy looking at yourself? Say that one more time. Yeah, that's okay. I'll just give you another analogy. How can you appreciate that beautiful sunset when you're looking at your shoes? Yeah. You see? Yeah. It's, it's there to be seen, but you can't see it because your eyes are on your shoes. And so you're carrying around this shame of feeling like you're not good enough. And the reality of it is there are thousands of reasons why you feel inferior. And those reasons are all stored in your subconscious mind. Each one is a black spot on that canvas, and collectively, it's solid black. One thing I forgot to tell you is that solid black canvas, well, that canvas is actually your heart. And it's not what's in your heart, is it? No. It's just an exterior, right? It's something that's covering. You know, so here's something interesting to think about. I wonder if any of those kids who weren't savages back in high school who wanted to be your friend but couldn't get to you because you were too busy avoiding them by going to class late and walking, looking at your shoes. And so viewing them as savages was actually disconnecting you from people who could have actually been close friends. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Sad is what it is. Yeah, it is sad because now that I see you, I can see that you're a good person. Thank you. And it, it makes me feel bad to think that, that that distortion of perception actually locks people out of your life. And the more they stay out of your life, the more you would use that as proof that you have no value. I'm still in resource. Right. The fact that these people still won't connect to me, the way they talk to me, I saw the way they rolled their eyes. We, we tend to filter for evidence to prove that we're right. And then another thing that we do is we, we hide behind this mask, you know, so we act in a way that we think everyone needs us to act so that we can have their approval, but we have this fear. If you knew me, mm-hmm. you wouldn't love me. Now, that phrase is really common when I work with someone, someone with depression, so let's talk about depression for a minute. Like, let's, let's take a look at that black canvas. If I have this concept that no one loves me, I'm not good enough, I've never been good enough, no one will ever accept me, then I want to stay away from people. So inadvertently, I'm preventing people from connecting to me, and I'm using their absence as proof that I have no value. And so that's just the way I've always felt, so that's the way I'll always feel, right? So that becomes my automatic pattern. Think of the rat in the maze. It happens without thinking. I run to the reward, and for you, it's running home where you're safe. Mm-hmm. And that's just that's what, that, that's the way you're programmed to see things. And so right now, I'm helping to disrupt that by raising your awareness that not all people are savages, and not all people are going to look down on you because you're in resource. There were many people in school that were also struggling with self-worth. 
what about those kids who weren't in resource, but maybe they were getting beat by dad who was an alcoholic? Right. You know, and so some of those kids who were really struggling, maybe even some of the kids who were teasing you were the ones who were being treated the worst when they went home and they were just taking it out on someone and maybe you were an easy target. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so your ability to discern that was, was distorted. And so right now, the first step is to start paying attention. You know, and, and, and no different than what we talked about with you, Marcus, right? Where we're, we're talking about taking thought, start seeing those thoughts. And so right now, there would be a thought that could trigger the pit in the stomach, which would attempt to isolate you to protect you from those savages out there. And when you see the thought, you can now choose to have a response instead of a reaction. You can start changing your perception towards people. Yeah. I mean, come on. I mean, it makes sense. Guys, are you hearing this? I mean, think about that. I didn't think this guy would be able to keep my attention. (laughs) (laughs) And we're going on freaking two hours here. Dude. And I'm locked. Like locked in. So this, 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 these are my sessions with Mike and, and obviously anybody who's had experiences with him, this type of stuff is, is coming out. And uh, I remember when he asked me that question, he said, ask yourself if you knew me and instantly the other half of that sentence came to me, you wouldn't love me. And I was like, bullshit. Like I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I'm not wow. letting that come out. I, I just fought it and fought it, fought it. And finally I was like, man, I, just, I don't know if they'd love me. And it came out and I was like, oh, and it came out with emotion. Yeah. It wasn't just what you said, but it was the acknowledgement of it. It's like there was that pain in there that there's this perception that if you really knew me, you wouldn't love me. Right. And I'm so afraid of that that I learn how to put on a mask. I learn how to act in a certain way. But I also can't let you get too close because, right, if, if you get too close, then what might happen? You might find out that you don't love me. Yeah. I asked someone that question the other day. Um, if you knew me. And this guy was just sitting there, just melancholy, just without any expression. And then he said, if you knew me, then you would leave. Wow. And his whole countenance dropped, and he went into resentment and anger. And it's, so you could see it on him. That that's, that's what he was carrying. So how are you going to get to know that person if they have a force field around them that's designed to push people away? And the, the, also what else is interesting if my force field is pushing you away because I'm afraid you'll reject me because you're a savage, you know, that's how I would perceive it. Then when you don't connect with me, then I use your disconnection as additional proof that I belong in resource. Yeah. So I'm, I'm creating. And I think that's more common than oh, yeah. people think. Oh, it sure is. Like, I think that's probably like, if I was to say that's probably the number one issue. It is with all of these people. And have you ever heard that phrase, hurt people, hurt people? Hurt people, hurt people. Yeah. yeah. When I'm hurting, I could inadvertently hurt you and not even know that I hurt you. You know, and so that's what I, I just opened your mind to that idea. Like, I wonder how many of those kids wanted to be your friend. Right. But you wouldn't let them because you perceived them as savage. Yeah. And it's so you were so busy looking at your shoes, you never got a chance to see the sunset. That's why you'll never go riding with me. <laughs> huh? You think I'm a savage? Just savages. What's up, man? This is, this is incredible stuff. I mean, this is super, super powerful. And, and the reason why I wanted to bring you in hands and your example is because it's something that um, 
this one instance is a very obvious example, something that we could pull out, but it's not unique just to you. There's a lot of people who felt this way. In fact, a lot of oh, things yeah. that you were saying and feeling, things that I felt as well. You know, when you're young and impressionable and the world is a big, scary place, yeah. you tend to harbor these weird little emotions and thoughts that you don't even realize that you're planting these seeds. And then you never went back and looked in that garden. Right. And all of a sudden these giant weeds are growing and it's just that's, over there. And that's then, a great analogy. You know, um, it's just overgrown and there's no gardener there. But by us pointing this out now, you can have a takeaway here. Yeah. So you can choose to start paying attention to those thoughts. You can put those thoughts on the shelf and you can see how many times a day am I tempted to believe that I belong in resource or that I'm not as good as someone else. And how many times am I shying away from people as a result of that old automatic reaction? And if I disrupt it now and I stop that, okay, so that's a way you can start retraining your brain part of it. But there's another element that we haven't even gotten into, and maybe another time we can, we can do this, but here's a teaser. With hypnosis, we can actually go in and we can remove the emotion from those memories. So they still exist for reference. You still have wisdom to access, but we turn the power off on the electric fence. It doesn't shock me anymore. If I bump into it, it doesn't matter. We, we take the charge out of it. And so that's something that you can do in hypnosis. And so, so let's go back and let me tell you what I think depression is. Depression is often when someone just says, well, this is my life, it sucks, and I just have to accept that this is the way it's going to be. And so look how easy it is to get into addiction. If I'm locked in the cave of hopelessness and I know that no one's ever going to love me, I'm never going to be good enough anyway, well, I might as well take that while I'm in here because it can lessen the pain and, you know, this is as good as it's ever going to get. People are always going to be savages. And so you start believing that lie to the point where you actually give up. Mm-hmm. And it, it reminds me of a bumper sticker I read once. It said, I've never been happier since I've given up. <laughs> right? If I don't have to get my hopes up, I don't have to get let down. So that's my new version of happiness. Sounds I just miserable. Yeah, it is miserable. But how many people out there are carrying around that narrative saying, well, just get used to this. This is life. People are savages, you know, and the reality of it is people can act like savages, but most of that time, those people have been injured deeply and they're acting in the same way. They're looking at their shoelaces instead of looking at the sunset. And so they're locked in that emotional turmoil and in this echo chamber of hopelessness and helplessness that is reverberating in our world right now. And if you want my opinion, um, I have a message that this is easier than it needs to be. You know, you know our, our people don't know how easy this is, and we can change the world. We can change this conversation. This conversation should reach many people who can relate to these ideas, and if they start to get this idea that, wow, change is really easy, and I don't have to accept hopelessness as a new version of normal, you know, then we can change the world but we just have to, we have to change with ourselves first and we have to be willing to look at that perception that is faulty. Dude, that's some of the most powerful stuff I've ever heard in my entire life. I mean, Mike, that is like, I've heard this, some of the stuff with you in my sessions with you and then, uh, you know, hearing some of the stuff as you either repeat it or give new information, like it just, it becomes more and more clear. Um, once your eyes, you know, you get a bunch of dirt in your eyes and you start to clean out a little bit of dirt, 
your vision gets a little bit better. Yeah. And then as you start to blink and start to blink out a little bit more dirt, your eyes kind of start doing the work for you and you kind of start clearing out your vision starts to get better and better and better. Yeah. And I'm seeing that happening for me. Like it, I went into this, a lot of dirt in my eyes and you know, it hurt so bad that I don't think I wanted to open my eyes. Hmm. That's kind of how it felt. But as you start to clear it out, you realize that you're saying the process isn't as difficult as it seems. No, it isn't. It's daunting to look at. And, and when people hear these initial conversations, they're going to think, Oh, that's a lot. But as you start to actually do the work, the work starts to do itself for you. Yeah. And that's a powerful thing. I would also like to, to, to just mention why I wrote the book, you know, so there was such demand for my time. I couldn't keep up, you know, so, so people were overcoming hopelessness over and over again, and people get talking about it, and I can't keep up with that. So the motivation behind writing the book was, here's the principles written down. Here's some true stories about what really happened with real people, and here's why it worked, and here's why it didn't work. We even addressed those things. And so those concepts are recorded in a way to, to help someone have like a reference manual to say, you know, do I have to memorize all this? And no, you don't. You know, so this information is easy. It's easy to understand. It's easy to put into practice. And there's always an element of accountability that has to take place if someone wants to heal. Yeah. So I can change the way I think. That's one thing. But I also need to release the pain and the anguish that I'm carrying. And it's the attitudes of resentment and things like that that actually prevent me from healing. So ultimately, the subtitle of my book, well, the, the title is The Miracle Bridge. And, and the bridge is... Here I am and there I want to be, and how, how can I get from here to there, right? And then the subtitle is Let Go and Let God Heal. And so that, that becomes an interesting conversation because if you can actually see what's inside of you that prevents you from healing, and if we can identify that and eliminate it and update your perception and drop the attitude and really release, you know, all people are savages, for example, if I can release that, and I can replace that with something that's going to be more accurate, then I can actually move into a place where my heart opens up and I can actually experience healing. Healing is always present when I'm willing to let go of that old story. So that black tar that you were looking at, that can be washed off of your heart. And that's ultimately what we can do in hypnosis. We can take you there and that can be washed away and you can experience it leave. And when it's no longer there, then it's no longer polluting your perception about other people, and it's going to make you more effective at interacting with them and helping them do the same thing. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, so for everybody listening, I would strongly suggest uh, grabbing the book. It's The Miracle Bridge uh, by Mike Simpson. Um, it's on Amazon. Yeah, it's on and Amazon. And we're also working on getting the audio book out there um, as soon as possible just yeah. because we know a lot of people consume uh, the audio books. Yeah. Great book. Um, I'm about halfway through it, uh, and it's just it's an easy read. It's yeah. it's, it's not a thick, hard no. you know psychology book. It's it's you know double space lines, the kind of stuff that we like. Yeah. Um, but it's actually got a lot of cool stories in it, mm -hmm. and uh, I think if you're going to take this serious, what we're talking about tonight, then it's definitely worth reading that while you're doing this. Yeah, I agree. So what we're going to do with this podcast is um, obviously this was a very powerful uh, conversation we had with hands and, and um, the reason why it's powerful is because hands represents everyone. That's right. I mean, everybody has that story. Everybody has that experience. Um, I had that experience. Marcus has had that experience. So as you guys listen to that, I want you to really take into consideration the things that were being said and then figure out how those things apply to your life. And then on the next episode that we do with Mike, we're going to do um, some of the practical side of it, which is the hypnosis side. And you'll actually, um, 
just so you know, the reason we're doing this is not intended to be three podcasts and all your problems are gone. That is not the purpose. This is literally just opening the front door to healing. Yeah. Um, because there is healing that's available, uh, PTSD, anxiety, depression, um, you know, chronic sadness, all this stuff that people experience that they that's think right. is just part of life. Well, guess what? It doesn't have to be. That's exactly right. And that's powerful shit, Mike. Uh, <laughs> you know, I can honestly tell you, I've seen more miracles than I can count. Yeah. And as I've seen them happen, I've learned a sequence of how to do it. So there's elements that, that you are responsible for if you want to go through this type of healing. Um, with hypnosis, for example, I can't come in and trick you in to letting go of a bad attitude about, you know, for example, all people are savages. You might be so angry about how those people treated you that you were unwilling to let go of that. So you're holding on to this resentment. Well, that resentment then becomes the very thing that prevents you from healing. You know, so there's an element of free will that comes into play. And if, if people won't let go of the thing that's holding them down, then they can't get better. So there's, you have to write a new story. You have to let go of that old narrative. And you have to be willing to drop the attitude. And you might even be upset with what happened in the past. That's legitimate. It happened for, like you're upset for valid reasons. But nonetheless, if you're clinging on to resentment or anger or rage, even if it's for good reasons, you're still holding on to that. And that's the very energy that will prevent you from being able to heal. So we can take more of the conversation next time into, well, how do we heal? You know, we've talked today about how do we change the way we think, and that's part of it. But then how do we heal in our hearts? How do we actually let go of that? And so we can start that conversation, and, you know, that's a whole different conversation, but th this is a good setup for it. Okay, so, Mike, obviously some very powerful stuff that we've learned tonight. Um, I, like I said, every time I hear it, I get chills. I get excited. Even when I'm experiencing or watching a friend experience it, it's just that the same emotions run through me yeah. that are running through him. So I'm stoked for the next um, time we get to sit down with you because the next time we do this, we're going to be doing some hypnosis and we're going to be actually some of the stuff we haven't done yet. Um, some of the powerful stuff, some of the uh, kind of subconscious uh, work that people think is just voodoo and black magic, but turns out it's actually a practical thing you can do. And, and it's very, very effective to yeah. change your life. So yeah. definitely looking forward to that. Um, guys, again, if you have not uh, got Mike's book, which I doubt many of your listeners have yet, make sure you go grab it. It's the miracle bridge on Amazon. Um, audiobook is coming soon and stay tuned because next time, actually it's going to be the very next episode we do here. We're going to be sitting down with Mike doing some powerful uh, hypnotherapy. And now you understand it's not like the, the get up and dance like a chicken hypnotherapy. This is like a, Hey, we're going to solve some serious, yeah. you know, um, trauma, the hypnotherapy. And we're we're going to change the world. We're going to change the world. Yeah, that, we literally that is really are. what needs to happen. And, and you I'm, say that you say that, uh, and I'm starting to believe you wholeheartedly. Yeah. It's a mission. It is. It, this, it's time for this message to be out there because it works and it's indisputable. You cannot argue with results. And that's why it's getting a lot of attention. I mean, I have a lot of, I have a lot of medical associates, uh, medical professionals that will send people to me when they don't know what else to do. This really works. And it's exciting because it's not that hard. It's just a matter of get the information and put it into practice and it will transform your life. Well, we're looking forward to it. So guys, tune in next time because things are about to get real.